sisters, join the resistance. Come on, let's start by talking tactics. Have a pass and match this. Here's how we practice. The last order conversation. Hey, folks. Uh, welcome to Pop Culture Continuum. This is John Elliott. And this is Patrick McCarty. And this week, we do... Our favorite 90s movies. Yes, our top 10 90s movies. Ours. Not the best of all time. Uh, AFI, if you're listening. Fuck yourselves. These are our picks. But AFI's list is usually pretty good, so they don't have to fuck themselves. No, but I'm just saying if they come after us for not being cool enough. Which they will. Um... I'm gonna, the AFI has a, a movie theater where they screen movies in D.C. And it used to be in the Kennedy Center. Now it's like in Silver Springs or something. So I don't, I don't think they have any room to call people uncool if they're making people go all the way out to Silver, Silver Springs. Springs. Oh, my God. Maryland. I always forget that's a state. Um, it's on the metro, so it's not that big of a deal. But Oh, is it? Does it? Really? The metro goes? I guess it's not that far, really. Um, well, D.C. is a tiny city. Yeah, yeah. Does it go to Virginia, too, the metro? Yeah, yeah, it goes across the water. No, I don't know if it goes as deep into Virginia, but uh, it's pretty deep. And then, yeah, it, goes, it does go into Virginia. Oh, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to go to Virginia. But it only runs till midnight during the week, so it's not. Oh, so it's like here. Yeah, it's not It's not a world it, class. Actually, I think even on the weekend, it's, it's not that late, because I know I was stuck in Silver Spring one time, and I... I Either I was too cheap or too stupid to take a cab, and I walked home. And that was a long walk. Damn. Not that long. I wonder how long it was. Well, you know, you got to get out of Silver Spring. Yep. So you really had no choice, I guess. That's that's an REM song, right? Yep. Got to get out of Silver Spring. <laughs> and I feel like Michael Stipe is with us. Um. Yeah. Let's. All right. Let's start. Uh, I want to hear your list because. You already know mine. I know none of yeah, yours. Yeah, that was a great trick. So let's hear Give your... me your list and I'll tell you nothing. My number 10, originally my number 10 was going to be something else. Something else. It was going to be Jurassic Park. But last minute, I changed it to an Errol Morris documentary that came out during the 90s called Mr. Death, The Rise and Fall of Fred Lechner. Oh, yeah. That's better than Jurassic Park, I think. Objectively. Uh, well, I mean, it's different. You can't compare. But yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I think I love all his documentaries. Well, all the ones I've seen, I, I like. He he has an interesting way of telling a story and kind of kind of ripping things out of people that you don't really expect. And this is the one that really, I I don't think he went in planning on telling the story. I'm pretty sure he was surprised by it. But he he once once this once the Holocaust denying part came out, he he went in all, all full board to to find out what the guy's crazy thoughts were. Yeah. Yeah, I mean everybody should watch all his movies really even though before we started recording I admitted I haven't seen his two most recent. So Well, the the, the McNamara one was not most recent. The other one was. Yeah, the the Rumsfeld one. Uh, Rumsfeld one, yeah. The, the, uh, he did one, uh, something called Tabloid. He did actually two different ones. I haven't seen either of them. Standard Standard Operating Procedure, which... Oh, I don't uh, even know that one. I remember Tabloid, yeah. It's the meeting of photographs taken by the U.S. military priest at Abu Ghraib. Oh, man, that's a tough one to watch. And then he did another one called Tabloid, which I guess is about a murder. 
Well, that's the thing. Like all of these more recent ones are sound like they're pretty tough to watch, but then so does the Thin Blue Line, and it's yeah. really good, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. I have never seen Brief History of Time, which is another '90s documentary he did. It's probably my least favorite of his, but you know, it's fine. It's it's just basically a a documentary biopic of Stephen Hawking. So, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. So what year? Let me see what year that came out. Which is, I'm just curious. Uh, uh, Mr. Death came out in '99. Oh, just made it. Just made it as a '90s movie. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, none of mine. I think the latest of mine is '97. Yep. Yeah, Mr. Man, I saw Mr. Death a long time ago, and I do not remember much about it. But that's also true of some of my picks. So. Yeah, well, there's one one specifically. I. I barely remember, but I just remember loving it, so I wanted to keep it on the list. Yeah, same. Um, and we're, we'll do our alternates at the end. I'll be interested to see if uh, any of my alternates are on your list. They, I imagine at least a couple of them have to be. But, um, all right, Mr. Death, my number ten, uh, Pulp Fiction. I know a lot of people like Reservoir Dogs better, but I thought Pulp Fiction was. It's still fun. Like you can still watch. It. Like I haven't really liked anything Tarantino's done since. But oh, I, really? I like Jackie Brown a lot. Act, oh, you're I right. Might, Jackie Brown is good. Uh, I might like Jackie Brown better than I didn't put it on the list, but I. I it's hard because I haven't seen it as often as Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. But I think that's a great movie. Yeah, Jackie Brown is really good. That's that's true. I always forget that one. Bridget Fonda, what happened to you? Where are you? Are you all right? Are you one of Trump's wives? Let us know. John, are you expecting you. her to answer? Is she on the line? I'm going to put this in uh, into uh, so it becomes a Google top hit um, for Bridget Fonda. So maybe she'll she'll find it and respondez-vous, s'il vous plaît. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, we're talking about Pulp Fiction, not Jackie Brown. That's true. Uh, Pulp, I mean, well, everybody knows Pulp Fiction. It was, I think it's yeah it. It definitely, for good and bad, like most things that um, that kind of break the mold a little bit, um, you know, Nirvana and whatever, uh, then it had a score of imitators that none of them were quite as good, and I'm glad that kind of died out. Um, although people are still trying to do a Pulp Fiction-esque stuff now, I guess, but, um, but it's rare. But uh, I like it, that it popularized the um the broken storyline that like out of yeah out of sequence the, messed up timeline yeah out of sequence uh, i guess memento is not a two, uh, not not a 90s movie but that's a movie that did that well yeah although that one was just like i mean it was just a backwards Reverse. timeline yeah. Yeah. yeah whereas this one was all fragmented yeah it was right. i mean it gave uh, mr scientology a comeback which is good i mean i don't know i like john travolta I don't know if you missed. Would you? I mean, I think Tom Cruise would have a have a, a beef with you calling him Mister Scientology. That's true. Um, I'll call him Mrs. Scientology then. How's that? <laughs> and that defeats the entire purpose of him staying in. Um. But but uh, it was also. I mean, it was really well written and you know very quotable. And yeah, I liked the the fractured timeline, um, a lot and just just the whole story it like moved along even though it was kind of long it it never really slowed down you know quentin tarantino's always had a problem with the n-word i guess uh which shows up in this movie too but um but yeah yeah the, 
It, yeah, that's like the start of it. Because I don't think it shows up in Reservoir Dogs. I don't think so either, because everybody's white. Um, although it well, this also gave Samuel L. Jackson his career. Really, I mean, it's not that he hadn't done anything before, but this made him a star. Did it? He didn't do anything before. I mean, he was in Jurassic Park, but that there certainly didn't make him a star. But this was his breakout role, you'd say. Oh, most definitely, yeah. Yeah. His whole biblical speech and everything, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because he was in like New Jack City and shit. I mean, he'd been around. He just this was. Oh, he was in. He was in. Uh, uh, what was the? Was it? I'm gonna get you, sucker. Was he? <laughs> Wait, he not... was in one of those movies where he played like a. No, oh, I think it was Coming to America, where he played a mugger that was. Yeah, it was coming to America because he was in the McDowell's. What was the name of the restaurant? It wasn't McDowell's. It was like similar to McDonald's, and he was holding it up. And then Eddie Murphy used his prince powers to to take him down. I also don't think he was in New Jack City. He was in that Spike Lee movie where uh, Chris Rock played like a crackhead or something. I can't remember what what it was. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, maybe it was New Jack City, and it wasn't Chris Rock. Do we care? Pulp Fiction. Everybody knows it. It's you can hate Tarantino as much as you want, but I think I think. Yeah, that trilogy of Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and Jackie Brown, you can't really Wait, talk shit about. You, why are you calling that a trilogy? Yeah, those three movies. It's not that it's really a trilogy, but <laughs> it could be. Uh, those three movies, He's he was, yeah, that, that he can keep doing whatever he wants just because of those, I feel like. Um, and also, the great Christopher Walken speech in it. So, Pulp Fiction, yeah. my number 10. Can't complain about that as a 90s movie list. My number 9 is 12 Monkeys. Of course. I Oh, man, almost had it. So, yeah. Sorry. I did have it. It's it's a wonderful, fun movie. Oh, man, this makes me realize I have two movies in a row that are similar in ways that I didn't intend them to be. But anyway, Bruce Willis, Brad Pitt. And it's all about Terry Gilliam's directing, really. Yeah, and that was, well, you know my list. I'll spoil it now. No Terry Gilliam, and I was, that kind of hurt because I do love Terry Gilliam. But um, yeah, what, did he did he do anything else in the nineties? Yeah, but, he did. I mean, I I can't think of anything. Fisher King. I never saw that. Is that would would that be worth being on a list? No, I don't think so. This is definitely the one. Okay. To put on the list, yeah. Oh, he did. I didn't even realize he had anything to do with Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yep, Fear and which I loved, and most people do not like. But yeah, I th- I think I saw it, but didn't it didn't affect me that much to care. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah, but that's it. That's all three. So Fisher Queen, Fisher King, Twelve Monkeys, and Fear and Loathing. I think Twelve Monkeys is the best of that. Definitely is, yeah. And that's I think when people realize that Brad Pitt was more this than just a pretty pretty face. Yeah, I think so. Playing a crazy terrorist um and and based on la jete i think is the name of it have you ever seen that no it's a french short film or is it a a... short film yeah and it's all still images it's not there's really yeah yeah but it's really good um and like i did i had known that but then when i watched it i was like oh yeah oh shit totally (laughs) but you don't think of it while you're watching it so yeah no 12 monkeys is great um we just rewatched it like not that long ago, and I've seen it a bunch of times before. So, yeah, I haven't. It's been I, at least ten years since I've seen it, so I should watch it again. And don't forget, but, Madeline Stowe, our heroine from Revenge. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't call her a heroine in Revenge. <laughs> a heroine of the, scenery chewing, let's say. The 
So, 12 Monkeys has been made into a TV show. I have not seen that, have you? No, I haven't either. Is it on, like, okay. sci-fi or some shit? I don't know. Yeah. It's on one of those cable channels. Who gives an But I'm sure F? it's on Hulu and Netflix. It gets an F? I said, who gives an F? Oh, probably AF. Terry Gilliam, because I'm sure he gets some money out of it. Yeah, make up for that I hope Don so, Quixote disaster. <laughs> yeah. Really, he... I, I have not seen his movies after that. I saw the... Uh, Mr. Megorium's uh, Erotic Emporium, or whatever the fuck it was called. It's, it's you know, meh. Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Yeah. Yeah, it's not anything great. You know, it's it, it looks good like all his stuff does, and it's effective, yeah. but it, yeah. Wait, he has a movie coming out in 2018 called The Man Who Killed Don Quixote? Does that have anything to do with the other Don Quixote he tried to make? I can't imagine he wouldn't use some footage from that. Jesus. Did you ever see that documentary on it? No, is, is it good? Yeah, it's very interesting. It's it's interesting to see how a movie just gets tanked, um, and by like you know director's ego and all kinds of different reasons. But um, I don't even know if it's so much ego as just you know budget budgetary things. But yeah, no, it's cool. Uh, but it's no Twelve Monkeys. <laughs> um, yeah, Twelve Monkeys. That's a great one that that barely missed my top ten. Um, my number nine is Hoop Dreams. Have you? You still haven't seen it, right? Right. We should I've do it sometime. It. Um, documentary, 1994, about um, two basketball play, high school basketball players um, from different schools, and they just follow them because uh, they're like kind of the big stars, you know, of their teams uh, in Chicago, I believe, and uh, um, both from kind of underprivileged families, and it follows them like basically through high school and I, I believe even after high school, it's been a while since I've seen it um, and just follows their stories. And, you know, like most documentaries that sound boring, it's really awesome. No. So this guy, this Steve James, he's the director of hoop dreams. Have you seen any of his other documentaries? Yeah, I did. There was one. Oh my God. Do you have him up on IMDb? Mm-hmm. Okay. What, what was a more recent one? Oh, uh, something Oh, uh, Abacus? No. The New Yorker? No. Life After Whom Dreams? We the Economy? Place Called Pluto? Life Itself? The Music Man? Head Jesus. Games? Wow. Front, Frontline? The Interrupters? The Interrupters, uh, yeah, on Frontline I saw, which was... No, this is two different things. Interrupters and Frontline are two different things. Oh, it was, okay, so it was The Interrupters I saw, yes. Okay. I thought The Interrupters was actually an episode of Frontline, but... Um, because I saw it on PBS. Yeah, I saw that, and that was really good, too. Yeah, he's he's just a good... Well, like I've said before, like to get a documentary even distributed, it has to be pretty fucking good, I think. Right, because, yeah. Um, but I was just thinking, when I when I asked that question, I was just thinking of... Like, Errol Morris is... It's like everything he does is good. Other documentarians might have good stuff, but nobody comes close to him. No, maybe the Maisels way back in the day, but... Um, who did... Uh, Oh, they did a bunch of shit. They did Salesmen. They did the uh, uh, Grey Gardens and a bunch of other stuff. Oh, okay. But they were okay. more old. They were pre-Errol Morris, so. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, nobody thinks of them. You think of, what's the Michael Moore? But I I never cared for his documentaries. No, me either. I mean, he's too, obviously he's got, his issues have been aired by others better than we can do. But, yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, he's provocative, which is something. 
at least. Yeah, his TV show was better than his films. The TV, I forget the name of the show he had, but that was oh yeah, Family I, Matters. Yeah, yeah. Because he, yeah, he really he he made my Friday nights happy. Oh, so it's my turn, huh? Yeah. Do you, want, you have more to say about Hoop Dreams? No, I mean it's long. It's probably like three hours, but it's worth checking out. What do you got cool. for number eight? It's it isn't surprising that you pick a sports movie for oh, your my list. love of sports. My God, it infects every episode. So I didn't. Pur- I forgot Bruce Willis was in Twelve Monkeys, and I just connect these two movies by them beginning with a number. But my number eight is Six Sense. Oh, really? Was that had to be ninety nine? Yep. Because Viv yeah. and I saw it together, and that's when we started. Yeah. Oh it's, yeah, I wouldn't have even thought of that one. It's. I think it's. It's great because it's Tony Collette. There's another Tony Collette movie I wanted to put on the list, but I can't remember. Muriel's Wedding. Yeah, I can't remember if I really like it because <laughs> that one's been way, way too long. It's corny, so but it's on. fun, you know. But uh, she is so good in this movie, and like I think the rest of M Night Shyamalan's career has kind of hurt the this movie a little bit because it's not just good because of the twist but the twist is awesome in in sixth sense yeah and it's it's well acted on hallie joe osmond's part it's great on bruce willis's part it's just a wonderful movie yeah and i did not see the twist coming i know a lot of people like to pretend they were cool but yeah i can't stand that i know i didn't see it at all it was the only m night Shyamalan movie i've seen that i thought was good uh this new movie gets good reviews but i haven't seen that yeah, I haven't either about the the dude with the multiple personalities. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I I went in the sixth sense. I can't remember if I saw it by myself or I went with somebody else. But I just know I went in not having high expectations because the year before there was a Bruce Willis movie where he was helping a little kid who was autistic and was great at math, and I thought it was going to be along those lines where it's just kind of a, a fun action movie with Bruce Willis, and then this happened. and So going in with low expectations also helped. And, you know, I've seen it since then, but, you know, uh, Tony Collette has, has scenes in this movie that are so amazing that make me wish that she got more opportunity to do dramatic roles because she is so awesome. Yeah, she could be in everything as far as I'm she concerned. She can. Yeah. yeah. She doesn't get nearly enough chance. I want her to get an Oscar. But anyway, Sixth Sense. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Um, if you're going to go M. Night, go Sixth Sense. <laughs> I, a lot of people like Unbreakable. That, I thought it was I like Unbreakable. Okay. Yeah, I, like. I think it would have been better if he didn't force the twist, but I still liked it. Like if uh, if he had changed the script and said, I'm not going to do a twist this time. I'm just going to have in the middle of the movie, you find out that, you know, with the thing with Samuel, oh, Samuel Jackson again, what he's doing. And then you work out from there, but they had to have it at the end. Anyway, yeah. I like him. Um, all right. My number eight, Jim Jarmusch, Night on Earth, 1991. Um, and you said you saw this at our house. Now I'm wondering if you saw Mystery Train maybe instead, but... It could have been this Wait. one. I don't. So this one is all about cab drivers in different cities. Oh, I'm thinking of another movie then. I think you saw. Yeah, Mystery I've never Train. seen this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Roberto Benigni is in it. Winona Ryder. A bunch of people. Um, it's in different cities across the world, really. Oh, I have seen this though. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just you know like little vignettes of different cab drivers in in different cities, and it's you know very poignant and. I love Jim Jarmusch anyway, so um, he had to make my list. But um, but yeah, this is one of 
one of my favorites of his. And he did. We were talking before the break. He also did um, Ghost Dog, which I love. And that, Ghost Dog was very close to being on my list. I do love that movie. I should see it again. That's Forrest Whitaker's so good in that. Yeah, he's excellent. And he did Dead Man with Johnny Depp, which is good in the '90s. But um, this is my favorite, and it's on Criterion, so you know you can get a nice, expensive copy of it if you'd like. I've never seen Mystery Chain. I was thinking of Down by Law. Oh, Down by Law with yeah, with also with Roberto Benigni and Tom that's, Waits, and yeah, that's the I scream, you scream, we all scream for ice yeah. cream. Yeah, John Lurie. Yeah. Um, yeah, Night on Earth. Definitely check it out. It, you don't even have to be a Jim Jarmusch fan to enjoy this one. I don't think because it's it definitely plays uh, very fast. I mean, he, his pacing is always a little weird, but this one is more, I think, more for the majority of people to be able to get into just because it's shorter uh, little works. Kind of like uh, Cigarettes and Coffee. Coffee but, and Cigarettes? Coffee and Cigarettes, sorry, but better in my opinion. Cause if you're going to choose between Night on Earth and Dead Man to, and to introduce to a new person, you definitely take Night on Earth. I think Night on Earth, yeah. Yeah. You mean you mean uh, Ghost Dog or Dead Man? No, Dead Man. Because I'm just thinking of Dead Man. Dead Man is a very slow, very awesome movie, but it's it, you have you have to have that you have to be ready for that kind of movie. Yeah, not people a, are not gonna, most people I think are not going to be into that pacing. I think they're going to have a problem. Yeah. So, yeah, Night on Earth. My number eight. Your number seven. My number seven is a movie I haven't seen since it was in theaters in ninety. Uh, what is it? I had to move 95. 95 was a very good year for movies, by the way. I was looking at the list. There's lots of great stuff. But Antonio's Line. Oh, I have not seen it. It's I think it's Dutch. It's just a wonderful story about a family of uh, family of women and just everything that happens. I think I saw it three or four times in the theater because everybody liked it. But very good. Antonio's Line. So it's nobody we know then, I assume. No, it's, yeah, Marlene Goris is the the name of the director. I don't know if she ever did anything else big. I didn't really follow her career. And looking at it now, I don't... Oh, she did Mrs. Dalloway. I oh. never saw that. Yeah, me either. Um, Antonia's... Antonia's line? Yes. Okay, Antonia's line. Huh, I, that's funny. I have no films from 95 on my top 10. Um, so it's just like kind of a character study of a bunch of women? Uh, I guess it's kind of like a... Are they friends? Do they live together? They... Oh, it's her family. It's the. Oh, I the, see. I, I like I said, I haven't seen it forever. But I, I, yeah. It kind of reminds me of a uh, what's the guy's name, the Magnolia guy. Oh, Paul <laughs> Thomas Anderson. Paul P. T. Anderson kind of film where there's a lot of people and it's just throughout their life, and the narrator is the like the youngest child that's born in the movies, and she's just t- telling you about how her, what happened to her grandmother, how she, grandmother came around, and had a family, and all that. So it's. It's a sweet little movie. Oh, interesting. Antonio's line. I wonder if it's streaming. Just check it out. If it's Worth it. Streaming. It's torrenting. So. Oh, it won the best foreign language film at the Academy Award. I learned from Wikipedia. Oh, 95. Oh, cool. I will definitely check it out then. You know me and the foreign films. I love reading while I'm watching. <laughs> and you're number seven. Uh classic surprise it's not on your list groundhog day from 1993 took it out because it's in your list that way i get more movies yeah it would have been on your list most likely though most likely yeah i i don't know i like everything on my list uh, probably yeah i've watched it so many times it's 
it almost turned into my own Groundhog Day. But like anytime it's on cable or TV or whatever, I'll watch it. And I own it, own it on DVD. So I I don't think I've seen it more than twice. Really? Yeah, and I didn't see it till long after it was in theaters. I'd love it. I just it's not something I've. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I haven't seen it more often. It has everything gr- good as everything about it's good. Yeah. Bill Murray's awesome. Chris Elliott's awesome. Even Andy McDowell's not super annoying. So she's not in a towel. She yeah. She I mean, she's not super annoying. Just watch the the modifier there. But yeah, she, yeah. Chris Elliott is good. Everybody's good in it. Even my um, only complaint. Yeah. It's not filmed in Punxsutawney. Oh, really? Where was it filmed? Somewhere in Ohio. Oh, I figured Canada, but... Well, maybe it was filmed... Uh, maybe they used the same sets from uh, Christmas Story. Do a tie-in. There's that one actor in, in um, Groundhog Day that was a needle nose. Oh, yeah. Wait, Ned That's... Ryerson? Ned Ryerson, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. St- Stephen Even Toblowski. He's so great. He has his own podcast, too. How is it? The Toblowski Files. I've actually never listened to it. I should listen to it. Yeah. He's been good in everything. Yeah, he's one of those character actors. He can do anything. I've seen him play psycho, comedy, and everything in between, which is not much. He was a memento. I forgot about that. Oh, me? yeah, me too. Well, he's one of those dudes. He's in everything. Yeah, so. everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Groundhog Day. Everybody knows it. No need to expound upon it here. So I go to number six and I see your Pulp Fiction and I raise you a Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, it's got to be on there too. Yeah, I, I, both both these are quintessential 90s movies. I, I think Reservoir Dogs is a little bit better. Yeah, I think probably so. And it has it has the comedy, it has the action. It's it's a it's a it's a fun movie. Yeah, it's got the grotesque ear cutting scene. And I think the I he he did it again in Pulp Fiction where he he put it together a really good soundtrack to go with the movie. And I think it just works better with Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, and he I always have, does good soundtracks. That's another thing. Yeah. I have trouble here listening to Stuck in the Middle. Is that what the name of that yeah, song stuck is? Stuck in the Middle with You. Yeah. It was without thinking about someone's ear getting cut off, which I think is effective use of a soundtrack. It, yeah, no, it really is. I feel the same way. Like when I when I hear "At Last" by Etta James now, I always think of Pleasantville because I think I thought they used that song so well in that movie. But not to see that. I've never seen that. Oh, it's decent actually. Yeah, it's worth checking out. Um, a little, like maybe a little on the nose with its message, but still, yeah. Well, Reservoir Dogs, so almost not all, but a lot of the movies on this list, I saw my favorite theater in D.C. when I lived there called The Foundry, which was an art art house. But the great thing about it, and they showed other stuff like Meet the Clumps, which is, I think at this point, the only movie I've ever walked out on because it was so bad. But uh, they showed really good movies like Reservoir Dogs and all, all the stuff on this list, Farm Films, for $2. So it was, I think one year I went to the movies over 50 times that year. <laughs> oh shit, I would too. So that was great. Does it is it still there? No, it, it, oh. it got closed up. But anyway, yeah, cuz it was only reason, charging $2, idiot. <laughs> the reason I bring it up is Reservoir Dogs played there for an enormous amount of time. It was there forever. 
yeah, no, it's a it's a great movie, great dialogue, great, and you know, made on basically on the cheap, mm-hmm. um, compared to Pulp Fiction and everything that came after. And um, I think like you could definitely call it an independent movie, and it it worked. And all the actors were good. There's like some like you look back at independent movies from that time. And there is some good ones, but the acting's terrible. Oh, Clerks. Clerks, yeah. I don't know why. Clerks should be on my list. Yeah, speaking of terrible acting, but yeah. I might just do a double for one of these numbers because Clerks. But anyway, Clerks is a movie where it's a fun movie. It's a funny movie. It's a well-written movie in a lot of ways. The acting is unwatchable. Yeah. That's part of the the charm. Another movie like that is The Brothers McMullen. Which I've never seen. It's a good movie, but the acting is just so awful. It's almost hard to watch. That dude whose name I can't recall right now. Um, yeah, I can't. The, who, the guy who wrote it? Wrote it, yeah, and stars in it. He's just like, he's almost not, well, he's worse than Kevin Costner even in being like just a very flat actor, you know? Like, mm-hmm. there's not much charisma or, or emotion to him, but um, yeah, anyway. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, my number six, speaking of Errol Morris, as we did earlier, fast, cheap, and out of control. Um, it's kind of like the night on Earth of uh, documentaries because it's about a bunch of different things, like robotics, naked mole rats, um, just these like... Topiary artists? Topiary artists, kind of eccentric people who are really good at their jobs, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one person studies the naked mole rats. and Yeah, it's... It's my favorite Errol Morris film overall, which is high praise, I think, because he's it's great. It's the first one I saw. Oh, no shit. I, I saw Gates of Heaven way back in the day. I don't know I how or why. But... but yeah, I saw it's the first one I saw. And it is it is wonderful. And I think going in, I didn't know anything about it. So that helped too. Make Same. It, like, this, is nice, this is neat. And I do wonder, since I've... I've read interviews with him so i kind of know more about his method but it was after i've seen this and it wasn't specifically about this i wonder how he got to this story like did he start interviewing one guy and then another and then said i want to put these all in one movie because they have this in common like how did he decide to put all these guys in one movie it's it's all all disparate so it's it's a great it's a, a great documentary it's really interesting the people interviewed are great it's yeah it's i feel like he probably like reads a lot and mm-hmm. he he probably like read a you know stories about all these different like yeah yeah vocations. I think his, was like... his background is a private detective. I'm pretty sure. Oh, that'd be so, awesome! I hope it is. So before he started doing this, he was doing whatever private detectives do. Oh, I, I mean, taking pictures of people fucking basically. <laughs> That's a pornographer. Well, no, they take moving pictures. Um. Yeah, that's how a moving picture works. You just open the shutter multiple times, and you yeah you do a flip page book of them when you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so that's the halfway point. So we're free to finally take a break. Whew. Give you all a break, and we'll be back with our top ten right after this. Please join us, won't you? We had a comrade, a brave comrade, he could talk for whole days. But then he tried to be a hero, tried talking about Shamiro, took a 
ages wearing earphones He almost died for conversation Hallucinations, good vibrations Van Dyke Park's great racing Steeplechasing, the Reformation Transubstantiation, Brian Stoker's creation The land of the Thracians And right back to the start It's gonna take some We're back with Pat's number five. Five, five, five. Another Foundry movie. A fun movie, and one of my favorite things about it is, is looking at what the actors did before and after, because that's much different than what they did in The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh, yeah, of course. Didn't even think of that one. It's it's definitely a 90s. Something that you watch it and you think of the nineties when I was made in the nineties, but it's it's not timeless, but it's fun. And okay. it's really funny to see Terrence Stamp in that when you look at his other roles or Guy Pierce or Hugo Weaving. They well, yeah. all they all I mean, kind of play badasses in a lot of their yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah. I guess Terrence Stamp was already a star. Yeah, but he the other was. Two, I don't think they did much before this and they went on to do a lot more different kinds of things. Although Neither of them do much now. I guess they just made their money and stopped. Yeah, why not? Although Terrence Stamp is great in this movie. Oh yeah, they're all great in this movie. Terrence they Stamp. are, but he especially, I feel like he like gets at like the kind of melancholy because mm-hmm. the other two are younger and they're you know they're like less world weary than he is in this. So. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a great movie. I mean, it's no too Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. But no, but I. I... I know how you feel about Patrick Swayze, so I figured it'll be on your list. I was really surprised it wasn't. Oh, and Leguizamo. My two fave <laughs> actors. Um, you know, there's... Wait. Do I have this on... Sorry. I'm, I'm looking. Do I have this on my alternates? Yeah, I do. Okay. Sorry. I just wanted to make sure I had this. Uh, anyway. So... Yeah, no, that's a great movie. Everybody should... I mean, I, I'm sure it's of its time, but it doesn't stop you f- it from being also a really good movie. Right, yeah. I, yeah, I think a lot of these are like that. Not all of them, but some of these 90s movies are like the other time, and you they feel dated, but it's still good. Yeah, yeah. Um, my number five is Chung King Express, Hong Kong movie by Wong Kar Wai, who's done a lot of great movies. Um in the mood for love, maybe his most well-known, but this is the best one to me that he's done. And it's like kind of two stories in Hong Kong, um, which I barely remembered. And I'm like reading about it on Wikipedia, but like one is about, it's kind of a, kind of a love story movie in a way, but like that makes it sound more trite than it is. (laughs) Um, One's about this uh, policeman um, who's, who's like obsessed with the breakup of his relationship. And uh, then he has an encounter with this uh, woman drug smuggler. And the second one stars Tony Leung, Leung, who's a big Hong Kong star, um, also a police officer. Uh, He just breaks up, broke up with his girlfriend. who's a flight attendant. And then he, he meets this snack bar worker and uh, it's, it's really good. And it's, you know, I mean, it's kind of about loneliness and, all this stuff it's it's definitely like an art film i guess but um 
I like Wong Kar Wai a lot. He does not all of his stuff hits, but but Chen King Express I always loved, and I'm glad I got the Criterion Blu-ray because it's been out of print for a long time. Oh, yeah. Sounds um, good. I haven't seen it. Yeah, you should check it. Out. <laughs> Everybody should check it out. It's very good. We'll do it one time uh, on the podcast. I'm sure. Number four. Flirting with Disaster. Oh so shit! How did I forget that? So good. It's it's still. I mean, David O. Russell's done some like really critically acclaimed movies since then, but I don't think anything touches this. It's such a. It's so well put together. It's a great movie. Everything about it's great. Tay Leone is funny, awesome, pretty. Ben Stiller is his is the weakest link, and he's still good. He's still good. Mary yeah. Tyler Moore. It's it's an awesome movie. Well, it's definitely the best thing he's been in. Um. Yeah, Mary Tyler Moore, Lily Tomlin, yeah. Patricia Arquette, everybody's good in it, and probably the best comedy of the 90s. I don't know. I mean, Groundhog Day, they're not, they're two different types of comedy, but damn, I can't believe I forgot that one. Oh yeah, I love that movie. That's another one I feel like I could watch over and over. Yeah, I haven't seen it forever. I haven't either. But it's it's a great one. 96. Just him licking Patricia Arquette's <laughs> armpit. Well, who was who played Patricia Ar- Arquette's husband? I can't remember. I know we should have had IMDb up for this. For yeah, I, I just it just struck me that I think it's somebody. It's like what's the that guy's? Uh, that's not the, the FBI agent is who I'm thinking of. Uh, it was played by the. Uh, All right, I'm, I'm, I have it. I'm have it coming up now. Yeah, I'll see. Looking. I was you. thinking of. Um, Oh, it's, he's not even on this list. Oh, oh he's I not on mine either. I forgot the Alan. Alan Alda. <laughs> oh, it's Josh Brolin who's who I was trying to. Think oh of. shit! I yeah, I wouldn't have remembered that. Um, yeah, yeah. Alan Alda and Lily Tomlin are great. A great couple. And George Siegel. <laughs> George Siegel. Yeah. Well. Everybody is. It, I don't know how for. I guess it's not his first movie. It's. Uh, I think Spanking the Monkey was his first movie. But I just, oh yeah. I don't know. how. He got such a great cast for such a so early in his career. Well, Spanking the Monkey, I guess, was like you know an indie hit, and it, that yeah. that's one that was definitely made for like you know five bucks. If you watch it, um, I mean the acting's good, and it's and it's I, I don't mean literally five bucks, but it was made on the cheap for sure. Right. Yeah. But yeah, this is a, a wonderful movie. My number four. Dazed and Confused, Richard Linklater. Uh, I think everybody knows this about the 70s uh, last day of high school. It all takes place over one day. Um, I wish Matthew McConaughey would stop with the all right, all right, all right line from it at this point. But (laughs) other than that. Why stop when it's working for him? uh, It's just, I don't know. Richard Linklater really captures, like, he's very good at capturing high school time of life. Which is weird because I we saw um, oh fuck what's it called Everybody Wants Some like his newest movie which is about like college in the early eighties, mm-hmm. um, and it was not good I have to say I didn't enjoy it it was way too long and just you know they say it's a spiritual sequel to Days and Confuse but it doesn't hold a candle to Days and Confuse everything just works in this I mean we did an episode on this one so yeah that was not, the first time I'd seen it I I enjoyed it not gonna go into it too yeah. But um, a lot of very believable actors, and and yeah, it just captures high school as well as any movie has. So 
Days and Confused, my number four. Uh, number three for you. Number three. Oh, Toy Story. Oh, Jesus. I do not like... I've seen it. I don't remember much about it, so... Go you ahead. do not like it, or you just don't remember well, I don't remember... It? All, oh. I remember almost nothing about it. I know who's in it, and that's about it. It's not my favorite Pixar movie. It's not my favorite Toy Story movie, but I, I just like that it, it changed everything as far as animation goes. And like Pulp Fiction, some of that's good, some of it's bad, but it's, yeah. it's a fact. And it's... the just the comp the Pixar companies started with like such solid like creative creativeness that has been pretty solidly good for the most part all the way through, and I I think that's respectable that they were they did this movie that they made for however much it cost but it made a lot of money and it was kind of a surprise how much it made, and they didn't follow it up immediately with a sequel they did do a sequel pretty soon after but it wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't all cash grabs. It was pretty obvious that they were most concerned with story. And I like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, that my only point of contention is them, like, continuing Tim Allen's career. But I feel like at the time he was still big, so that's all right. I can... Yeah. But yeah, I mean... Oh, well, I do have a contention with the... I guess this is one of the bad things I've, I find with the Pixar movies, but maybe it would have happened anyway. And maybe it happened before that, but it's definitely popularized the, the idea of voice actors being famous people instead of voice actors being voice actors. Yeah, And yeah. I think that's too bad. I mean, sometimes it really works because Tom Hanks and, and Tim Allen are good in this movie and they do a good job for their characters. But I think sometimes it's just kind of stunt casting in the the voice actor who is a famous actor doesn't do as good of a job as someone who's that's their specialty. I agree. But it's the way it is now. Yeah. It's always famous people. Um, and I'm like, I'm the worst at picking out famous people when they're doing voice acting. I'm like, God, that person sounds familiar and I can never place them <laughs> ever. Um, yeah. I mean, Pixar kicks ass all over Disney for sure. I think Disney. Well, now they're, what'd you say? Now they're owned by Disney. Yeah, but I think they still have their style. Oh, you're saying their movies? Well, I think yeah. lately the the yeah, they're still the Disney still has a little bit more of a musical idea, but it, they have definitely caught up well, they, in ways that no one would have ever expected. Like they had a movie that Disney put out a few years ago that I didn't think was as good as Pixar, but it was close. The the video game one. Did you see that? Oh, the one with Adam Sandler. Yeah, it's great. That's not the one I was thinking of, but that was probably the best movie I've ever seen. Yeah, same here. No, no it oh, had, oh, Wreck-It Ralph you're talking about. Wreck-It Ralph, yeah. And that's a Disney movie that definitely they took some some ideas, like not ideas, but it was like a Pixar movie where it was all story and it was well thought out and it was, it was funny in the right kind of ways. And I haven't seen it. Yeah, I want to see that actually. But Disney does stick to the princess type stuff pretty hard still too. Um, yeah, they do that, but I they I thought Frozen was a better movie than their previous efforts. I think they're improving a little bit there. Yeah, that's good. I mean, except, and Zootopia actually came out last year. I still haven't seen it, but I've heard nothing but wonderful things here. about Zootopia that. Same here. Zootopia is supposed to be great. As as is uh, Kubo and the Two Strings, which I don't know who put that out, but I and I haven't seen no, it. I haven't seen that either. I heard good things. Yeah, I should see that. Um, anyway, oh, and their latest animated feature was featured songs by Lin Manuel Miranda. Lin Manuel so Miranda—that's the only reason I want to see that movie. Um, actually, Why I heard it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, with the exception of Cars, I think uh, Pixar's yeah raised the bar. I don't mind Cars. I cannot stand Cars two. I didn't even see Cars three. Wait, they did the third one. Okay. 
Yeah, it was awful. Well, I don't know if it was awful. I just assume. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not out yet. I'll see it. It'll be awesome. I mean, it's, awful. It's coming out this summer. The trailer for it makes it look like it's a. It's <laughs> makes it look really depressing. So we'll see if it sticks to that. I hope they got Paul Newman back. Well, of course. Um, my number three, Goodfellas, maybe, uh, probably the the '90s movie that's that critics are gonna pick as number one i would imagine um i actually ha- didn't really look at a lot of critics lists but uh i didn't either i didn't even think to do that i feel like but you're you're right though good goodfellas is almost certainly the critical darling yeah and it was the last really great scorsese movie i think um casino was good but it was basically goodfellas part two yeah so, yeah um yeah Joe Pesci, don't know what happened to him. Um, Ray Liotta's Ray Liotta with his psychotic laugh, but uh, it works. I mean, it's a, it's basically an epic story and kind of a small confined story at the same time. And I don't know who doesn't know everything about Goodfellas, but this is another one. Like if it's on cable or TV or whatever, if it's on, I will always watch it, which is saying something for like a three-hour movie. I just realized I really made a big mistake and didn't have a movie on my list I should have. It's too late. All right. Throw it on your alternates at number one. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, good. I, I do. Did you see Goodfellas in the theater? I did see Goodfellas in the theater. Yeah. I remember it was 90. So I was 16 and I, I, I forced us like me and friends to go see it, but I was very pretentious and I insisted on sitting by myself because they were talking too much before the movie starts. <laughs> and I liked it. I still like it now. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's hard not to like, just like, just his like movie making skills were at their height. I feel like yeah. kind of his now, godfather. This, was this the first? No, it wasn't, but it, it feels like the first movie that used like a soundtrack that was a bunch of, like popular music. Oh, he's done that for a long ass time. Like yeah. if you watch Mean Streets, which is from he did the, the 70s, same thing. He did, okay. Yeah, he definitely kind of pioneered that. Um, yeah, no, I mean, great. Even Ray Liotta is great. Even yeah, everybody's good in it. Everybody's perfect. And, Am I a comedian to you? <laughs> and it cracks me up all the time. Like we've seen people online talk about how they won't watch the Godfather or Goodfellas or whatever, because it glorifies or the Sopranos because it glorifies mobsters. I'm like, you should watch it before you make that judgment because there's nothing pretty about any of this. Like I, I, I've talked about this before, but like the Godfather, definitely the Godfather is, is terrible at that. That makes, it makes it seem like the mafia is this honorable thing. And you know, they have a, a code and all that, but Goodfellas does not do that. No. And, my dad used to talk about where he had a business in, in Philly down in the, like a, a rough neighborhood and the mob guy would come in and he was a real scumbag. And when he saw Goodfellas, he's like, that's what they're like. Anything to make money. That's all that matters. Yeah. It's not, it's, there's no honor or anything. It's just, is this going to make, make money? And now, I mean, that's our president. So it turned out they were right. Uh, what do you have for number two? Number two is Leon, the professional. Interesting. Wow, I'm, I'm like trying to imagine what your number one's gonna be, um, and I feel like it's got to be. Okay, no, go ahead. Yeah, Leon the Professional, Natalie Portman's greatest acting role. I feel like. I wouldn't go that far, but she was awesome in it, and it's it's. 
it's such a fun action movie. It's it might be a perfect action movie. And every version I've seen like two or three different versions. I don't know how many versions there are. Like there's, yeah, there's the extended at least three. version and yeah. And they're all good. Even the ones that are cut down are good. It's just a great Gary Oldman is is so, such a great actor. And he plays evil really well and uh, what's the director's name? I forget his name right now. It's, it's slipping my mind. What's the hell? Uh, yep. I almost had two of his movies on. I decided one's enough. But yeah. If you haven't seen this, you should. Yeah, no, it's completely awesome. Um, and like, I know you say action movie. I, I feel like what makes it great as an action movie is that it's also a drama. Like, it's not just a straight up action kill, kill, kill all the time. Uh, right, kind of yeah. mindless action movie. It's it's smart too. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a it's almost a comic book movie. I mean, I obviously it's not based on a comic book, but it has a feel of a comic book movie, like this this universe that has its own rules. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Um, so, I I do like Luke Beeson's movies. I figured out his name by looking it up on Wikipedia, but this is this is one of his best. Yeah. Oh, it's no Lucy, but yeah. Lucy was good. <laughs> I just have a hard time believing it. Um, okay, yeah, no, definitely. Leon the Professional. Another one I like, I didn't come across when I was like trying to look up movies, but yeah, that's definitely worthy. My number two, A Brighter Summer Day, which was a recommendation of mine a while ago from 91. It's a Taiwanese movie. It's extremely long, I think three and a half hours, close to four. Um, and it's like about these, it kind of follows these youth in Taiwan from the uh, late 50s and it goes into the early 60s. And um, just kind of like they're, they're kind of hopeless and they're kind of like gang-like, even though their parents aren't. But it's like, it's so long and epic. Like I think there's over a hundred major speaking parts in it um it covers so much ground that like i couldn't really do it justice trying to explain it but oh my gosh four hours long four hours long yeah that makes sense um but so I, I don't know it's a hard sell to anybody you know taiwanese four hours four hour long movie um and it moves kind of gradually too but like after it's one of those movies where afterwards like you just think about it forever which always impresses me. Um, yeah, that sounds interesting. Yeah, no, it's really, really good. I I can't imagine anybody wouldn't like it. And the cinematography is, like, amazing. So, A Brighter Summer Day, my number two. All right. I think maybe, I you know, I don't want to guess too much, but I feel like maybe our directors might be the same for our number one picks, <laughs> but let's hear what your number one is. That was a good guess. Number one... Nah, I was thinking about putting both on, but I'll just um, Big Lebowski and Fargo. Yeah, no, yeah. I'll, stick, I'll stick with Big Lebowski, but they could both be on this list easily. Yes, but it's Big Lebowski. Yeah, I was just gonna stick with Big Lebowski. Fargo's awesome, and it would definitely be my a very high member of my alternate list, and it probably would have been this list if I hadn't set the same artificial rules you have of only choosing one film from each director. Yeah, and I. What makes the Big Lebowski better than Fargo is the fact that it followed up Fargo, and the expectation for it was so different. And it and they people hated it at the time. Oh, 
too. I yeah, couldn't understand it, but because it's so <laughs> wonderful, it's so, it's so odd and fun, and it it has it still has it's it's a weird movie, but it still has like a film noir esque feel to it without being in any way that kind of movie. Right, and it's, just, and it's a humor great. and dream sequences oh, yeah. and and fucking John Turturro's character. Yeah, it's like. It is a perfect movie, I feel like. And yeah. how many movies, like, especially with an actor like Jeff Bridges, who's been around forever and done a million things, where, like, that's his defining role yep. in movies, yeah. you know? Yeah, John I mean, he's, is fantastic. He's done other things since then, uh, Jeff Bridges, and it's other things that were very popular, other things he's been, no- he's been nominated for Oscars for, but I think they'll be calling him the dude until he's buried. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's. I'm glad you had it. I mean, it, it kind of has to be on a list, even though it wasn't on mine. But so does Fargo, you know? Like, it's, yeah, it's one <laughs> of those where, like, they did no wrong in the 90s. And because I like Barton Fink, I know you're not so much of a fan, but I thought that no. was great, too. Um, yeah, Big Lebowski. Who doesn't know it? Who doesn't quote it? But I think I was talking with. Yeah, when I was in New Orleans with, with my friend Pat, we were talking about Coen Brothers movies, and even the ones that aren't that good are still great. Are good, yeah. They oh. don't have a, a movie where you're like, yeah, don't see that. Yeah, this is another one like the Hudsucker Proxy, although this is far better than the Hudsucker Proxy, but like where they followed up a serious one with you know a weird farcical one. Well, um, not only that, but they did the same thing with... Uh, what was that spy movie with George Clooney where he's building that sex machine? That was a movie. Oh yeah, Burn about. After Reading. Yeah, Burn After Reading falls. I think True Grit. No country. Or, no country for old men. No, yeah, that's right. Yeah. No country for old men, which is a totally dark, serious movie, and then they came back with this ridiculous comedy. Yeah, which I love, and The Hudsucker Proxy is a good movie. Like, but it was another one. That, oh yeah, like, yeah. I think. Wait, what did The Hudsucker po- Proxy? Fall? I can't remember what it. I think it. What did it come after? I can't remember. Uh, Barton yeah, Fink, like, maybe, or was it earlier? Better. I still haven't seen Inside Llewellyn Davis. Inside Lu- I that's know that's their weakest film, in my opinion. I think so. so, yeah. The, even weaker than Intolerable Cruelty, which I've also not seen, but I've people don't seen. have anything good to say about it. Yeah, I haven't seen it, so I can't say. I'll see that tomorrow. Do I own Inside Llewellyn Davis on Blu-ray? Yes. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know what it came after the Hudsucker Proxy. I just remember it getting kind of um, slammed in the by the critics at the time. I mean, because it is really a broad farce, and it's like made in the style of those kind of thirty screwball comedies. Yeah, I think that's what so that's great. what I love about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, obviously, it's so... Jennifer Jason Lee is doing her Catherine Hepburn impression, and I mean, I get <laughs> well, it. But... Jennifer Jason Lee wasn't doing anything. She she did she did the Hudsucker Proxy and the Vicious Circle at the same. Was it? Well, no, what was it Dorothy called? Parker the Dorothy Parker and the Vicious Circle. Yeah, Dorothy Parker. <laughs> she did that at the same time, and basically, she just did the same accent for both roles. <laughs> Um, all right, we moving on to my number one. Uh, yeah, I think Hudsucker uh, Proxy followed Barton Fink. Sorry. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, which was critically acclaimed too. Uh, my number one, Miller's Crossing, which is my personal favorite Coen Brothers movie. Although, if you pick Big Lebowski or Fargo or, or No Country for Old Men, I couldn't argue with any of those either. Um, actually, yeah, I don't. I'm going to say it's my personal favorite, but you know, it's kind of dumb. Who? Ca- they have so many good ones. Um, 
based on Dashiell Hammett's The Glass Key, although you wouldn't really know it from watching it. And it's one of those where, like, I've watched a bunch of times and still, like, there are little things in the plot where I'm like, oh, shit, that leads to this. Mm -hmm. I have to see this again. It's been such a long time since I've watched it. Yeah. And just great performances all around. Steve Buscemi, um, Gabriel Byrne, even. And, of course, Albert Finney. Hey, wait, Um, Steve Buscemi's in Miller's Crossing? I didn't know that. Yep, he plays a little Weasley dude, of course. Um, <laughs> well, glad you told me. The great Albert Finney like, is an ass kicker who comes out to the tune of Danny Boy in one of my favorite scenes with his machine gun and just, just blowing people away. Um, and John Turturro's scene in the woods where he's begging for his life, where he just keeps saying, please don't kill me like a filthy animal. Um, and it's pathetic, and then he still comes back and fucks the guy who didn't kill him. Um, yeah, it's it's great. The Coen brothers, like I said, did no wrong in the 90s. I have to see this again because I don't remember Marsha Gay Harden's role at oh, yeah, all. Yeah, Marsha Gay Harden, yep. Who's, who's an actress that I always think is wonderful. Everything she does, and she just doesn't She's another do Tony Collette, yeah. She, yeah, yeah. But unlike Tony Collette, she has won an Oscar. Oh, did she? For like... I think Pollock? she won, maybe maybe she didn't, but I, th- I thought she won for Pollock. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah. Well, th- those were good lists. You had some that I like totally forgot about, so that's awesome. Um, you want to do alter? I did a whole alternate top ten. So. I, don't I at first I just want to say, there's almost every movie on my list should have been replaced by Bottle Rocket because I love Bottle Rocket so much. I was. And I also, almost did Rushmore. Really? Yeah. That would have been great if you had a list with the Wes Anderson movie and I didn't. <laughs> I know. That's the only Wes Anderson movie I really like. Is uh, You well, don't actually, like Bottle Rocket? I haven't seen Bottle Rocket for so long. I, I oh, don't re- Bottle I, Rocket I'm is, sure I didn't hate it. So I Bottle Rocket is it. why I like Owen Wilson so much. He's so good in that. Although, even so, uh, Rushmore didn't make my alternate, which is weird. But it, it is a great <laughs> movie, I will it say. It is. It is. I just don't like it as much as Bottle Rocket. I don't like it as much as a Bottle Rocket, and I don't like it as much as the stuff that comes after it that you don't like. Oh, really? The Royal Tenenbaums? I think I, oh, think I like Rushmore I like beats that. I like Royal Tenenbaums better than Rushmore, but I like Fantastic Mr. Fox a hundred times better than Rushmore. And I like uh, what's the one that I forget the name of it? The one that they were traveling Europe. Uh, the, oh, uh, I didn't see it. Grand Budapest Hotel. Grand Budapest Hotel. I, I like a lot more. And the the one in the '60s with the awkward scene with the teenagers. Oh, God, dancing. that was so weird. Yeah, <laughs> I love that movie Rise too. Rise Kingdom, which we did on this show. Right, I like that better than Rushmore. Rushmore's good, but I just like the other ones better. Anyway, uh, what else is on your? Okay, alternate? this is my alternate top ten. Uh, Princess Mononoke. I felt like I should have a uh, Miyazaki film on there. Mm-hmm. Get Spirited Away, and I'm, everybody knows him. Um, the Big Lebowski, Seven. Which was a really good film, I think. Um, yeah, that was that was bounded about when I was thinking of movies. Yeah, another another serious role for Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. What's in the box? <laughs> um, Fargo. <laughs> so I, Big Lebowski and Fargo made my Barton Fink. So a bunch of Coen Brothers on my alternates. Um, Train Spotting. That's a good one too. Are they still making that sequel? From all I heard, they are. Yeah. Um, Glengarry Glenn Ross. Depressing, but very good. Uh, Cabin Boy. Probably <laughs> doesn't deserve to be on there, but, you know, Chris Elliott. Uh, 12 Monkeys and Point Break. 
Point Break, a surprisingly good dumb action movie. So let me. I don't have it in any order like you do, but I have a bunch that weren't on my list. And let me just go through them. Groundhog Day, you had that. That's great. Boogie Nights, I like that movie a lot. I don't like it as much as Magnolia, but Magnolia didn't come out in the nineties. Uh, out of Sight, that's oh, not out of sight's a good one. Yeah, but it's such a good movie. It's. I guess that's. I don't know if it's the first, but it's it's near the start of George Clooney turning his career around after after Batman. Welcome to the Dollhouse. Oh yeah, so yeah. So, so painful. Yeah, but so good. Uh, Mural's wedding, like I talked about, Lone Star, John Sales is a good oh, movie. Oh, Lone Star is great. Yeah. Oh shit. S- Smoke, which which I don't remember that well. I just remember liking it a lot. It says John Hurt and Harvey Keitel, where it's I just think it's just a bunch of people coming out, going in and out of a, a tobacco shop in yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah, Lou Reed's in it. Um, we actually saw that dude two nights ago. The director, um, the, he did <coughs> at the uh, PFA Pacific Film Archive in Berkeley. They did uh, his first film uh, called Chan is Missing. He's a he's a Chinese American um, director. And he was there in person to do a Q and A. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, it was really awesome. So, anyway, is he still doing movies? Yeah. Um, yeah. He goes from experimental to like you know big movies to what I mean. Not he did like the Joy Luck Club and stuff. You know, he did a movie okay. in China okay. that was you know an epic. But anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Smoke. That, no, that's cool. Oh, uh, where was I, babe? <laughs> Oh, what so, about Pig in the City? I thought that was. Better. I've never seen Pig in the Pig in the City, but yeah, Ebert or Cisco loved that. Uh, Shawshank Redemption, of The course. Usual Suspects, Fifth Element, Unforgiven. Unforgiven is such a such a great movie. I have not seen and, it. I know. I need to watch that. You've never seen? Oh never yes, seen it. it's, it's a fantastic western. It's like I I think after that, Clint Eastwood got a big head, so his movies were still critically acclaimed, but I don't think they're as good as Unforgiven. Office Space, which I think you also either hate or have never seen. I yeah, I don't care for it, but I should watch it again. Galaxy Quest, which is a perfect sci-fi <laughs> parody film, and Being John Malkovich. Yeah, Being John Malkovich was another one I considered. It's so fucking weird, like yeah, that they yeah, even it's got funny to make it, it. Yeah, it all ties together so well. It's 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 really good. That I don't. I think that's like that must be like ninety nine though. Not that it. It's still in the nineties. I just I don't think it was earlier than that. But I thought an interesting thing to look at is what Ebert's best best ten movies of the nineties are. Oh, did do you have that up? Yeah. Oh, let's uh, hear. Wait, wait, wait. Let me guess. I I know this is going to be on there. Um, hold on a sec. Fuck. What is the name of it? Emily Watson, Breaking the Waves. Got to be on there, right? Uh. Yep. Yep. That's okay. Of there. course. So depressing. Is, but I. I would never pick it. I love Emily Watson. I can't remember. I've seen Breaking the Waves. I might not have, but uh, number 10 was JFK, Malcolm X, Leaving Las Vegas. Oh, I like Malcolm X. JFK is just okay. Leaving Las Vegas is a terrible movie. Disagree with. I don't know that it's terrible. It's depressing as shit. I don't, I didn't even think it was very good, but anyway, Breaking the Waves is seven. Schindler's List, Blue, White, and Red, which I never saw any of those. Oh, the trilogy, yeah. Fargo, Goodfellas, Pulp Fiction, Hoop Dreams is number one. Oh, crazy. And then, uh, oh, here's a movie I almost put down, but I didn't know. This, for some reason, this has Ebert's best of the 90s and Scorsese's best, best of the 90s. I guess he was on the show with them. Uh, but uh, 10 for Scorsese is Malcolm X, a tie between Malcolm X and Heat. Heat is a good movie. I didn't care uh, for Heat, but sorry. I, I like Heat. Uh, Fargo, 
crash crash the, the yeah the, the one about fucking uh car yeah. crashing yeah bottle rocket breaking the waves bad lieutenant eyes wide shut wow a borrowed life the thin red line i don't know why i just didn't put them on my list that is a great movie and horse thief which i don't recognize i don't I know have that no movie. idea what horse thief is but maybe you want to see it yeah um, oh i don't know the rest of the list <laughs> No, it's, I've never seen Bad Lieutenant. Maybe it's a good movie, but I think maybe he just picked that because he likes Harvey to, Keitel. <laughs> say something nice about to Harvey Keitel. Dude, that movie is creepy and disturbing as shit. And then you watch <laughs> Bad Lieutenant uh, Port of Call New Orleans with Nicolas Cage, and it's a ridiculous <laughs> wait, mess. Wait, why would they do that? I don't know. And you know who directed that one? No. Werner Herzog. It, <laughs> what the heck? It's possibly the most ridiculous movie. I can't say that because we've seen things and the Japanese house and stuff. Well, but, how, yeah. did, how did Werner Herzog I don't do know. that? I don't know, dude. I don't understand anything about the movie, including the movie and how it was made and how Werner Herzog got involved. But <laughs> I mean, yeah. Oh, you know, so it's fun. not a sequel. It's not a sequel or a remake, but a reimagining. Whatever yes. that means. Yeah, I, it means nothing. Trust me. <laughs> um, all right, you ready for recommendations? Sure. Okay, go for it, because i got to think of something. So the director of, um, just to go back to this port of call, because I've never heard of it, the, the director of the original was very angry about this one. He was quoted as saying, as far as remakes go, I wish these people would die in hell. I hope they're all in the same streetcar and it blows up. <laughs> wow. So he's not mincing words. <laughs> Later, Herzog was asked, he said, he doesn't know who Ferrari is. I've never seen a film by him. I have no idea who he is. <laughs> and yet you made the bad lieutenant port of call in New Orleans. <laughs> I will, and then later, I, I guess he heard the quote and he was just, I, I don't know how you're supposed to react to a quote like that. <laughs> he wants to, to die. And, anyway, I would like to meet the man. I have a feeling we met and talked over a bottle of whiskey. I should add, I think we could straighten everything out. Anyway, my recommendation this week is another podcast. It's a podcast called Mystery Show, and it is so wonderful. I've, there's, there's, it's only one season. It's only six episodes, but it it's so good. So the the idea is that Starly Kine is the is the host, the and she gets a mystery from wherever she gets it. The three episodes I've listened to has all been friends, and it's something you can't solve by googling it. It's something you have to actually you know go out figure out into the world into the world and talk to people and uh it's just just wonderful there the first episode was about oh i forgot the first episode the second episode anyway i just remember the third episode is about finding it's, this guy found a belt buckle when he was a kid and it has somebody's name on it and she tracks down who it is and his story and the great thing about uh, the other one was one of her friends had one of her friends is an author and there's a picture of britney spears holding the book that this author wrote and she wants to find out if Britney Spears actually read the book. And then I forget what the first episode's about, but they're all like that. They're all like, Oh, that's fun. It's just, it's just, and the great thing about it, um, is that she, so she goes to solve this mystery, <coughs> Sorry. But the, which is, would be interesting in itself if she's just working. Oh, the first one is a, a video store that closed up almost overnight. But the great thing is that she goes to solve these mysteries, which is interesting in itself. But while she's solving them, she's talking to these people to to figure out what's going on. And she gets stories about their lives. And it's so interesting, like stories about 
people who have nothing really to do with what she's trying to figure out and just gets these little, like she was talking to the guy who works for Ticketmaster and just started talking about his life. And she was talking to someone from a bookstore and she gets all this information from unrelated people. And it's just slice of life stuff that is awesome. And she's very funny too. The, the writing on the show is very funny and her performance is funny. So it's, it's a really good show. Apparently it got kicked out, like it was on this podcast network and they canceled it without telling her. So it was kind of a, a sad end, but it, it sounds like she's trying to find another place to do it. She has had stuff on this American life. I've never heard that stuff, but mystery show is well worth listening to. Oh, cool. I mean, shit. If only there was a way to do a podcast without belonging to a network. Well, hopefully she figures that out. Well, I think her, I think she was like being paid that's what her job doing the show was her job. So when she got off the network, she had to find other jobs. Apparently she had, she was working. Uh, she's a writer on search party. Oh, crazy. Oh, I know who she is. And cause I heard her interviewed on a show with the other writer. Um, oh, cool. I don't think Wait, what is creator. it called again? Mystery show. Mystery. Oh, she's just a writer on it. Got it. Yeah. I don't think she's creator. She's just, yeah. Um, I'm going to, okay. So these are all, I, things that I can't recommend fully because uh, actually I can't the first one is a book called the riot girl collection which is um, a bunch of like writings from fanzines and like they've got a bunch of flyers and stuff just from the riot girl movement um, back in the day so it's very interesting um, uh, portrait of that time I love they have all the fanzine stuff with like the misspellings and everything um (laughs) And they just kind of reprinted it from the fanzines rather than typing it out, you know, so that it looks professional. Um, that's good. Um, there is... I somehow, at the time when fanzines were big, somehow connect. Well, I guess at the end of the time, fanzines were big. I somehow connected with someone, and she wrote a ska fanzine, and she had me write a story for her fanzine. I have no idea what happened to this person. I don't know how I. I don't know. First of all, I don't know how I connected with her. Second of all, I don't know what became of her now. But she sent me like five or six mixtapes of ska, so that was kind of funny. <laughs> Go ahead, sorry. That's hilarious. No, that that was it on that. Um, I listened to one episode of a podcast called Schmucks. So <laughs> I don't know if it's uh, – I don't know if the whole thing's good. But uh, on this episode, she, she so this woman tries to interview, like, assholes, basically. And the, the one I had was Martin Shkreli. And oh, the, the – okay, yeah. Yeah, the pharmaceutical dude, douchebag. Mm-hmm. Um. And, like, it's, I don't know, it's illuminating and also uncomfortable and just, I don't know. It was decent, so I want to check out more. Um, and the other thing, so neither of these are all that well, well written, which I think you can expect from musicians. But um, I think reading them together is kind of interesting. So um, Peter Hook, the bass player for Joy Division and New Order, has written two books. One called Unknown Pleasures Inside Joy Division and one called Substance Inside New Order. And... Bernard Sumner from I like to think that both books he just had a template and just filled stuff in (laughs) I mean the way it's written he might as well have uh it's not great but you know there's some it's interesting if you're a fan and then Bernard Mm. Sumner who is also in both bands has written a book called Chapter and Verse New Order Joy Division and Me um, which I've been reading all of and and like I said they're not great but it is cool to see like two different sides of the same story yeah yeah so um, those are my recs. 
And so. it sounds like one guy didn't try to sp- spread out the two books. Is <laughs> well, this is the is the well one guy's still the, in New Order making money, so he probably didn't need to spread it out over two books. <laughs> I was going to ask if the, the the first guy had a like double spacing and it's <laughs> <laughs> really big font. Um, have you listened to Criminal, the podcast? No, I have not. Good. Yeah, yeah, very. In- I. Sometimes the host's voice gets a little bit on my nerves. Just it's very high, and I don't know something about it. If I listen to too many of them, but it, that's kind of a, a nitpick that doesn't make any sense because the the content is so good, yeah, the stories are so good. Subjective thing to you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it doesn't it's not right away. Like if I just listen to it once, it's not. It's just if I listen to two or three, I'm just like, oh, oh, I don't even say that. I think it's just a different kind of voice and I'm complaining about nothing. So never mind. I take that complaint back. It's just a good <laughs> podcast. The stories are interesting. It's very over. It's very, it's like Michael was talking about um, missing Richard Simmons where it's, it's super produced criminals like that too, where it's, it's, it's less like a podcast and more like a radio show. It's everything is, is in its place. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, missing Richard Simmons definitely sounds like an NPR kind of podcast when you, yeah, the crim- yeah. criminal sounds like that too. I, I sometimes want, there to be a, a a criminal like a, a like I guess that it's the two two sides like um have you listened to my favorite murder no so that's the two women get together and talk about murders and that one is a little bit too underproduced it's like our show they're just talking and some of the time they don't know what they're talking about and that's a little bit irritating and criminal is overproduced so exactly and, like our show yeah well yeah but uh, I just want there to be one where it's a conversation. It's not so much uh, where people don't know what they know everything, and it's a conversation, and it's not overproduced. That's, I just want that show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those I don't are, know if it exists. I, yeah, I know. I don't know if that like middle ground Actually, has been plowed. Exactly what I was looking for, and I thought Lore would be it, and it's not. I I don't know if you've listened to Lore. It's just a bunch of like one guy tells stories of like uh, supernatural Lore? stories. L O R E. Mm-hmm. Oh no, but I a, love that kind of shit, like urban legends and like just folklore and shit. Yeah, yeah, and it's good, and it's it's very similar. To Criminal has that that NPR NPR feel to it. But what I'm looking for, not so much with murders and stuff, but I'm looking for a podcast that just has like regular people coming on telling ghost stories. I think that would be awesome, but I haven't found it yet. Wow, well, you could you could start it up, dude. Jesus, where's your <laughs> entrepreneurial spirit? That used to be my favorite thing about Coast to Coast with Art Bell. Like a couple times a year, he would just have he would have open lines, and they, people would just call on him with ghost stories, and they were all freaky and scary. Um, all right, that's you, it. You want to do the spiel? Write to us at popculturecontinuum at gmail dot com for any reason whatsoever. We love getting mail. Uh, rate us highly on iTunes. Like us on Facebook, and most importantly. Tell your friends to listen. Mm-hmm. Demand. Uh, we don't know what we're doing next week, but, you know, it'll be something. So, uh, until then, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>